Hey there, I'm Jeremy with Good Beer Matters. First, thank you for listening to the Good Beer Matters podcast, where we explore the craft and culture of beer. Second, I want to see the beer and hospitality industries improve so we can do a better job, make more money, and so guests can have exceptional experiences. Good Beer Matters is dedicated to the pros and enthusiasts in the beer industry because we are the ones who will make it better. To that end, I want to invite you to subscribe to my monthly newsletter where I share perspectives on beer, styles, pairing, and some practical beer education. Go to goodbeermatters.net to subscribe. My name is Jeremy, and this is Good Beer Matters. I guess it's um, a good thing that a cultural good like the world's oldest brewery is conserved by the state as a cultural historic monument. It's not part of our culture. We brew Bavarian beers and that is what we do. The story you're telling slowly and steady must be true and you must be patient. To get the full Bavarian beer experience, I find it helpful to go back a thousand years. Without a time machine, we'll have to visit a brewery nearly as old. My next guest tells us the story of the incredible beer ecosystem that exists just north of Munich in the oldest brewery in the world. We find great experiences at the intersection of craft and culture. These are the stories of us, of great food and the beer that brings it all together. For the craft and culture of beer, this is episode 128 of Good Beer Matters with brand ambassador Matthias Ebner of Weinstefan. Well, I'm going to say good morning on my behalf or good afternoon for my next guest uh, who has just poured a gorgeous beer. Please, you know, show that glass up in, in the oh. camera real quick. Uh, I mean, that is an excellent pour. Look at all that foam. It's just, oh, it's incredible. Uh, for those of you who are watching, you already know who we're talking to. For those of you who are listening, this brewery has been on my uh, a must-talk-to list for quite some time because it's not every day that you get to talk to a brewery that's been around for almost a thousand years uh, continuously. Um, but luckily, uh, my next guest, uh, Matthias, has not been uh, at this brewery for a thousand years. And if you have, you look amazing for your age, sir. Uh, but welcome <laughs> to the Good Beer Matters podcast. Thank you. Glad to be on the show. Uh, please, please introduce yourself. I mean, tell tell us who you are and what you do, uh, and and of course the the proper name of the brewery, so I don't I don't uh, mess up the pronunciation. <laughs> no problem. Hey, uh, I'm Matthias. I'm uh, 38 years old. I'm a brewing engineer. And I work for the Wine Stefan Brewery, or as the name is correct, the Bavarian State Brewery Wine Stefan. And I'm working in the export department as a brand ambassador. So, uh, so all the, and actually, uh, the Wine Stefan beers are, uh, at least in my part of the world, and I assume it's pretty much the same most places that. Uh, we actually have really good access to your beers and in all through my studies for advanced Cicerone and, and, and uh, beer judge, when it came time to get some, uh, uh, you know, truly Munich style beers like a Hellas or, or, uh, or a, a vice beer or anything like that, you know, the Weinstefan brand was pretty much always there when we needed them to be. Is, is that part of your doing? 
Um, yes and no. Um, so we try to support um, uh, the business partners we have that are doing the imports all over the world. So as the world's oldest brewery and having that label, it's um, it's a pretty good export brand. So 70% of our volume we are producing is actually exported in over 55 countries worldwide. And um, the biggest export country we have is actually the United States of America. And since many years, we're working with um, South Carolina-based uh, company, TBS, Total Beverage Solution, which is our exclusive importer in the United States. And uh, yeah, they're doing a great, great job uh, bringing our beers, I guess, in 49 of the 50 states of the United States of America. Mm. And are, uh, yeah, try to keep the market supplied and also um, yeah, representing our beers there. And from time to time, I'm also allowed to go to the US mostly twice a year. And yeah, doing trainings, teachings, tastings, and uh, also representing the beer, uh, drinking beers with people and answering questions. That sounds like a dream job. I'm sure there are days uh, that you're exhausted, probably like today. You've been talking to people around the world, but it sounds like a fantastic opportunity. Uh, it's uh, it's great. I mean, um, it's we have. I don't know if if this is a common saying, but we have a saying in Germany. So if you if you're having a job that you love, you will never work a a day anymore. So uh, yeah. If yeah. you're really into that, what you're doing, if you love what you're doing, you're not actually working, you know? And sometimes it feels that way. I mean, um, there are annoying things like layover on airports, uh, hotel rooms, and, <laughs> and, and stuff like that, chat lags. Um, yeah. But, but um, I mean, I get fueled by, by the feedback we get from our customers and, and, and beer lovers and brewers all over the world that are appreciating what we are doing. Uh, we try to be in a constant exchange with our business partners, our customers, our fans and friends of the, the beers all over the world. And uh, that keeps me fueled, actually, and uh, keeps me driven. Yeah. Well, and, and I personally have a saying that many, many years, it seems like several lifetimes ago, I used to work on an ambulance. And so now I say that mm -hmm. a bad day in beer is better than a good day in an ambulance. And so, uh, uh, well, I guess when it comes to being a first responder, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's, that's true. Um, yeah. I guess there is uh, no one else I would wish more than uh people like the first responders, a boring job so that they basically have nothing to do because actually then it's a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so your your brewery that you represent, the Weinstefan, um, it, it, is, it is known as the world's oldest continuously operating brewery. I, I'm yes. sure there might have been some that, you know, stopped for a certain amount of time, but but... Can you, I mean, granted, we don't have, you know, a three-hour lecture series, but yeah. <laughs> what, what, what is the short version of the story of the Weinstefaner Brewery? Uh, well, there is actually no short story when, when you want to, to cover thousand <laughs> well, years. thousand years, yeah, the short story uh, is probably I, I tried to keep it as short as possible. Uh, it all started with St. Cobinian, which was a Benedictine French monk who um, founded on the Weinstefan Hill in 725, a monastery and uh, build it a first chapel here. And um, the short story is actually that now um, in 2023, um, 50 meters away from that spot where this first chapel of the monastery was built, 
still today, um, every batch of beer is produced because 50 meters away from there is today is still our brew house. So wow. that means that this continuously ongoing history of the wine Stefan Brewery and for the first 800 or a thousand years, it was a monastery history. Um, it was, of course, very complicated and moving um, because, um, you know, everything that was happening in the Middle Ages or in that time frame between 725 and uh, 1803, everything that happened in Europe in that time also happened uh, actually to, to um, the monastery, to the Weinstefan monastery, because plagues, fires, wars, um, the the secession wars, the Napoleon wars, the Thirty Year uh, War, um, whatever that happened in Europe also happened here. And cause of yeah. that very moving and complicated times, a lot of the knowledge about our history got um, lost, actually, um, or not even documented uh, at that time because a continuous documentation also was not very common in the Middle Ages. We knew a few spots and glimpses into that history that are proved by documents or by by, by other stuff, uh, but it's actually pretty rare, as you can imagine. Uh, we know for sure from from some historic documents that between 1100 and 1500, the brewery was burned down four times minimum. Huh? Oh wow. I, I, I guess we it, it even maybe happened more because all was wooden at that time and you know it was an open fire brewery and whatever. So I, I guess they there were more fires than just four in 400 years. Hey there, it's Jeremy. Are you looking to level up your career in beer? The majority of people in the world seeking Cicerone certifications lean on the Beer Scholar to achieve their goals. As many of you know, I became an advanced Cicerone in 2021. I joined a study group to help me and others pass that rigorous test. The leaders of that group are now working with the Beer Scholar to offer an advanced Cicerone coaching program coming in June of 2023. If you want to improve your education and lead in the beer industry, then go to thebeerscholar.com to learn more. Um. But yeah, it doesn't matter. But um, the Monastery of Weinstefan was founded by St. Corbinan, a Benedictine monk, and it became a Benedictine monastery. And this monastery actually also grew up here on the Weinstefan Hill on their uh, belongings in the 8th uh, century. Um, actually, we are assuming that, that uh, those hops that were grown on the Weinstefan Hill, the brothers used to brew beer, but we have no proof on that that they used it for brewing. It's the most logical thing that they did it with that. So, mm -hmm. um, but we are not for sure. What we yeah. know for sure is that in 1040, the bishop of the city of Freising, or of the diocese of Freising, the archbishop, um, did grant the the head of the monastery um, the right to brew and sell the beer in the town of Freising, so in his his diocese. What means that at that time the brothers brewed beer already here, but they were mostly just using it for their own consumption and for their own use inside the walls of the monastery. And he granted them the right also to sell it in his town or in the city of Freising, which belonged to the diocese of the city of Freising, which is and this was it this. Stefan. And, and this, this was in 1040? We, this was in 1040, and this is what we defined then. That's the start of being a brewery because 
brewing beer is the one thing, you know, and if you're a home brewer, you're not a brewery because when you're brewing beer at home and you're just having for you and your friends that are visiting you, then actually you're not a brewery. It started when you start selling this for business and for living. And this is what marks 1040 because then we had the, the, the right to sell the beer outside of the belonging of the monastery. And, um, well, and this worked basically nearly 800 years. Um, so the monastery brewery was acting uh, till 1803. In that year, there was also a very important date here in Bavaria and also in Germany, because in the kingdom of Bavaria at that time, a law was issued, which was the so-called secularization. That law allowed the kings of Bavaria to transfer transfer. Uh, church and monastery belongings into royal property. Mm -hmm. Backstory is very complicated and a lot of political stuff going on. But long story short, Wein Stefan, as a very big, very rich monastery at that time, was transferred then in 1803 away from the, the Benedictines to royal property, royal belonging. In that secularization, also a lot of stuff happened because there was a big church here on the Weinstefan Hill, which was teared down and, and a lot of documents got lost and, you know, a lot of the, the paintings and, you know, jewelry and stuff, you know, what you find in monasteries and churches. Uh, nobody knows or basically uh, just very little what, what happened at that time. But what happened at that time is that um, the monastery was closed down, but the Bavarian kings continued to to allow the brewery to work and then at that time it became the royal bavarian brewery of weinstefan because the kings earned or the royal family earned a lot of money with the beer that was produced here and this worked for uh, the next uh, couple centuries um, uh, or, or decades and um, till the end of world war one and um, after World War One, the monarchy was was ended here in Bavaria, and the Republic of Germany was was founded, and also the Free State of Bavaria, and Bavaria became a state inside of the Republic of Germany. And with that, also the brewery then got transferred from royal property, royal belonging, to um, a state-owned enterprise. And since 1921. Wine Stefan Brewery is a 100% state-owned enterprise by the state of Bavaria. We are act acting under the command of the Ministry for Science and Art of the state of Bavaria and are a 100% but profit-seeking enterprise of the state. And wow. this is what we are still today. So, so uh, essentially, everyone who lives in Bavaria uh, the taxpayers own a part of the brewery, essentially? More or less, I would say, yeah. Um, there is a special law here in Germany and also in Bavaria that allows the state or the, the, the republic to own uh, some, some institutes or, or um, enterprises. Um, mostly it is something critical like uh, energy plants or something like that. You know, when it's it's not... Uh, all of them are private, for an example, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, it's uh, very interesting that actually Bavaria owns a brewery. <laughs> so um, it seems like... It's not uh, surprising, beer, though. Beer and brewing uh, is for Bavarians yeah. uh, or for the, for uh, the government of, any, of Bavaria so important that they need to own a brewery. Well, I think of, of any place 
uh, to to own a brewery, it would be Bavaria. And, and in a previous guest, uh, the Czech Czech Republic, they also have a have a brewery. And, yes. yes. Yeah. And 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 I've heard of that thing happening before. I've heard of like the Argentine government having a winery, uh, and it's not all that common. Makes but sense. It's not yeah. surprising, right? It, yeah, it's, it's not, not surprising. It's not that surprising because it's part of their culture. Yeah. And so I think um, it's not that surprising because when something is so deeply connected to your culture and to your history, like beers in Bavaria, um, then it, at some point maybe it's logical and makes sense. And I guess it makes also sense that the, still today the uh, government of the state of Bavaria says, well, it's something very special to own the world's oldest brewery. And it's not actually that they're making good beers or producing beer at all. I guess or I'm pretty sure about it that uh, the government of Bavaria says, well, we tr tr want to preserve and secure here a cultural good. So not that it's private or even corporate owned at some point. And I don't know what maybe big, I don't know, companies would squeeze out out of the brand as the world's oldest brewery and just to make profit or money. I guess it's um, a good thing that a cultural good like the world's oldest brewery at such a historic place like that um, is kind of conserved by the state as a, as that what it is as a cultural historic monument and not as a yeah um, whatever just making money enterprise. Well, it, it, so let's let's stay on this topic real quick because I find that. I, I find that really fascinating. I, I've I've listened to the the podcast that you have, um, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but I've heard that you guys are a part of the Bavarian excuse me the Bavarian Ministry of Science and Arts, um, uh, and uh, and that really got me thinking. You know, hearing that uh, because I've always thought of of beer as just so much more than a beer. It's a, it's a gateway to the world. It's a you know it, when we think about it beer in in a very real sense is a cultural relic it's mm -hmm. it, uh you know when you know years ago uh before the internet and before cell phones and all that stuff people would go on vacation you know americans would go to a place like like munich for example we'd take a lot of photos then we'd come home and we'd put them in the slides and we'd bring all our friends and family and sh and show everyone here is all of our slides from our trip to munich and so they could share that experience Yes. And these days we have Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff, but but we also have beer and food and and other things for that matter, but beer really serves as that way to share that cultural experience. Uh talk to me about how the how, you know, German beer, the the Weinstefan brand in particular acts as that cultural relic, as that cultural ambassador to the rest of the world. Yes. Um, by the way, thanks for the phrase. Beer is a, a gateway to connect the world. Uh, I love that. Um, that's 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 amazing. I I will use that if I'm allowed to, um, because that's very true. That's that's very very true. And um, yeah, and it also it connects like yeah the Bavarian cultural good of beer to more than fifty countries in the world where we are selling our beers. Mm -hmm. um, being this kind of Ambassador Lighthouse Brewery for Bavarian art and science of brewing is also very closely connected to Weinstefan or to the Technical University of Weinstefan. Because in 1865, 
Um, the king of Bavaria also founded here in Weinstefan an agricultural school because there were a lot of buildings and other infrastructure left from the monastery because the Benedictines had their kind of mantra that part of the Benedictine uh, uh, um, approach of being a monk is that they do everything on their own and create everything on their own. Ora et labora, the Latin uh, mantra of the Benedictine monks, work and pray. Yeah, mm -hmm. so they did. They made their own furniture. They built their own chapels, houses, and churches. They brewed their own beer. They baked their own bread. They made their own liquor. They made their own cheese and milk and whatever. So they were also craftsmen, the Benedictines, but also monks. And um, that's why Benedictines had their brewery, for an example. But also at the monastery, there was a distillery. There was a dairy and a cattle farm. There was agricultural fields. They had their own forests, and they all worked in there. And so the the some ministers of the king of Bavaria said, "Well, we need to found a school to to prevent like hangers or or, or misharvests with teaching the the countryside population in techniques of agriculture and making." better or more high quality food. And so we need to found a school for that. So it was a very progressive actually way of thinking at that time in the kingdom of Bavaria to educate the people. And um, so they founded around the brewery of Weinstefan a school for agricultural, uh, agricultural techniques and brewing. And since 1865, here in Weinstefan is also a school for brewing science or brewmaster school. Today, this school is more than 150 years old. It's part, it's a faculty of Technical University Munich. And it's actually one of the most prestigious or even the most prestigious brewing academy and brewing school in the world. Um, I also studied there and I graduated there. And I'm actually not Bavarian, I'm actually Austrian. So I'm, I'm from Austria originally. And I moved 18 years ago to Weinstefan to study here. Because I said, okay, mm. I want to be a brewmaster. I want to be a brewer, a brewing engineer. Um, I go there. You know, if you have the chance to go to the MIT or Harvard, you do so if they allow you to do, you know. And that's why they allowed me uh, to come here and to study here. And I did it. And, well, the plan was to go here, study here, and then going back home to Austria and work as a brewmaster. But, you know, how life is, you know, uh, you never know where you end up. And now I'm 18 years in a row living here in Weinstefan, and I'm pretty happy about it. But this connection of the brewery to the campus. So today the campus has about 8,000 students, all in life science. That's food technology, that's biology, that's forestry, agricultural, gardening, um, nutritional sciences, uh, environmental engineering, uh, sustainable resource management, sustainable energy. So everything which is life science and connected to that is here located in Weinstefan. And the brewery is on the top of the hill and all surrounded by campus of 8,000 people. Hey there, it's me, Jeremy again. I forgot to mention that I also have a podcast with my dear friend, the incredible Julia Herz. Together, we've created the Sense of Beer Style podcast, it's the essential training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. We've created episodes to cover foundational beer knowledge, as well as style cast to walk you through each category of the 2021 BJCP Beer Style Guidelines. If you work with beer as part of your job, then subscribe and listen so you can become an authority. 
Go to senseofbeerstyle.com to subscribe. Wow. And one of the oldest. That sounds like an amazing college. Oh, it is. (laughs) It is. Trust me. There's a college with a brewery on the top of a hill. Yeah. 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 And it also sounds romantic because we have like this gardening school here. And uh, so there's a gardening school. And yes, our backyard does look like an, I don't know. English Castle Garden. <laughs> oh wow! Because the faculty, yeah, the faculty for gardening is taking care of all the outsides here between the brewery and the campus, and we have here blooming gardens and whatever. It's 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 ridiculously uh, 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 beautiful, <laughs> and um, well, and one of the oldest courses here is brewing science, and um, technically, University of Munich is a state university so it's owned by the state basically like 95 percent of all universities and academies in germany are state-owned so we have mm-hmm. a slightly different system than in the u.s and um as a state-owned university of course it's under the command and it's owned by the ministry of science and art and gotcha. so there comes it together you know then like um, the secretary for science and art of bavaria is of course in some way in charge of the university and of course, also in some way in charge of the brewery. And so we are surrounded by this. We also very closely connected to this faculty. And this comes in different parts. So like our CEO of the brewery, so the director of the brewery is actually also a professor at the university. He is teaching economics in the brewing industry. So every brewmaster and brewing engineer who wants to graduate here needs to pass his class. Yeah. So, and you're learning actually from an actual acting brewery CEO how to run an economical way, a brewery. Yeah. And um, other parts, like the practical parts, like especially the bigger things like packaging or or, or uh, filling uh, uh, things, which you cannot basically learn in a laboratory, laboratory scale, those mm-hmm. practical classes held in our brewery. And also, we are partner for science of the, the brewing faculty. So if they want to try out new technologies or techniques in an industry size scale, so outside of the laboratory, like scale it up, does it also work in big scale? We are their partner to do so because we are like 50 meters away from their laboratories and lecture halls. So we are so closely connected Do the this ownership we have in common so that our boss and their boss is actually the secretary of science of the state of Bavaria. We have this partnership agreement and this close connection to each other. For an example, my bachelor thesis, I wrote here in the brewery uh, about 10 years ago or even longer nowadays. I tried to find out the way in my bachelor thesis to optimize the bottle transportation on our bottle filling. So like um, how to to, to make the, the, the most yeah efficient... Uh, transportation mm-hmm. where the idea we had at that point did not work out so but that's science sometimes you yeah. just need to find out a way how it's not working um but yeah all this is so closely connected to each other and i guess this is one of having the state as a shareholder and owner um, of those two institutes is a very fruitful relationship not just to create brewing engineers and brewmasters in a quality that basically is is very hard to copy anywhere else in the world because you have this industry-sized brewery, you have this tradition, and also this ambition of of everyone to to work with beer that you, in my personal opinion, can barely find anywhere else in the world than in Bavaria. 
because you have a commitment from the state that owns a brewery that brings a university in the surrounding and said science beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, and this is something very unique and very special. And this also well, it, fuels... It, no, go ahead. Go ahead and finish it. And, and then I got a and, question. And I it. think this also fuels then the whole culture of beer here. You know, it's this commitment that we say, okay, we having this institution here, we have this faculty here, we have this brewery here to find new technologies to develop new 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 uh, beer know-how yeah but that all leveled down in the end of the culture of beer that is here in the dna of the region and of the people because think about it if you have done research 10 kilometers north of the brewery so about six seven miles north of the brewery the halatau region is beginning so the biggest yeah. hop growing region in the world is right north of the brewery yeah. And uh, actually, there in the Halatau region, we have uh, hop farmers that are growing in our, uh, uh, or for us, hops that we are then using here. So, so many ways are here connected into brewing, brewing culture, brewing industry that is uh, very, very unique and hard to find anywhere else in the world. Well, and, and what you're describing just sounds like an absolute dream to me. Uh, it, it just, <laughs> you're you're probably invited to visit us. I, I, I'll get on a plane as soon as I can. The, <laughs> but yeah, but but how do you take the, just this incredible, uh, you know, Willy Wonka esque uh, beer version of <laughs> of what's happening there? But the, the how do you convey that to the rest of the world? I mean, obviously, there's some magic happening there. But you yourself, you know, you're you're you said that you travel to the U.S. personally a couple times a year. You distribute to, I think you said, 50 different countries. Um, how do you carry that sentiment, that culture, that that magic that you guys have there? How do you get that out to the rest of the world? Um, actually, personal personal presence. Um, so actually, we, and it comes to Germany, we're a mid-sized brewery. We're doing about uh, 400 to 420,000 hectoliters of beer every year. Um, so this is classical mid-size, uh, maybe a little bit bigger mid-size, but it's still a mid-sized brewery. And um, so we are not in the size that we can maybe sponsor uh I don't know, Champions League teams like Bayern Munich, like other Munich breweries, they are 10 times mm -hmm. bigger than us. And with being 10 times bigger, you know, your pockets are a little bit deeper and bigger. Um, so mm -hmm. they uh, carry their brand in a different way, which is absolutely legit and absolutely fine. I, I, it's nothing to judge here. I just say um, we cannot have that purchase power in marketing or whatever to transport the brand. Our approach of transporting the brand is um, because it's, a little bit com more complicated to tell story. I mean, we have now took about 20 minutes just talking about what are we, what's our history and how is everything connected and you don't even get the full picture yet. Um, and and so how to, to transport that? So it takes three aspects, I would say. The first thing is personal presence. So um, you, you need to be there in the country, in the region where you want to sell the beer and you need to understand those people that are consuming your beer and you need to understand their approach to beer. And you can only understand that if you're a personal present there and, and talk to the people and connect to the people. And then you will find out how your product and how your beer could fit to their behavior, to their culture and how they like and drink beer. Yeah. 
And uh, so this is the first thing. And this comes to the second. And then it became a real brewery, not just an import that's there on the shelf or on a tap in a, in a, in a restaurant. Then it became slowly because you cannot be anywhere at the same time. It takes time. It takes years, maybe decades. But uh, you became slowly a real brand so that uh, the, the fans or the, the people are like, oh, I met there once a brewer of them or a sales guy or whatever. So you, 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 you're someone you can catch on and you can talk to. And um, the third thing, and this is also, I guess, is um, very important, is that the story you're telling slowly and steady uh, must be true and you must be patient. You know, um, growing, I mean, we are nearly a thousand year olds and we are like 400,000 hectoliters. I know craft breweries that grew like double our time in five years, you know, um, yeah. Because of the boom in the United States and they're making fantastic beers. But, you know, uh, I guess we could never have such a grow or, or, or such a thing because we approach those things differently. And actually at this historic spot here in Weinstefan, um, we are slowly, but some at some point at the point where we cannot produce more beer because all the surroundings all the, the space is already taken by laboratories, by lecture halls, by other stuff. And we cannot say, hey, we want to tear down that lecture hall for new tanks, you know? <laughs> that will yeah. not work because the university has priority and not brewing beer. Um, and and so at that point, it's, it's um, that this slow growing approach and letting the brand work itself with the support of personal presence and with great partners, of course, um, like our importers in the different countries, then then it works. But patience is, in the end, um, one of the most uh, important values. I, I find that wonderfully interesting because in in modern society, in modern uh, innovative entrepreneurial society, patience is a virtue we don't have. <laughs> we want. We, we want our uh, minimum viable product and we want it yesterday, right? <laughs> yeah, you're so, right. So, yeah. uh, it, which is, which, I, you know, I see the economic capitalistic benefit of that, but there's also a downside to that. There's also uh, just, just a few weeks ago, and you, I think you'll appreciate this. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I, I was uh, judging at a beer competition and we were judging uh, kind of a mix of American and German lagers brewed by craft brewers in the U.S. And almost all of them just had just this obnoxious um, uh, presence of sulfur dioxide or, or like a burnt matchstick flavor that was just too much, just too mm -hmm. much for style. None of them, none of them were good. Uh, in fact, all of us at the table thought, I, I can't move any of these on to the next round. Yeah. These were awful. And, and it, and it really bothered me because not, not from the standpoint, not because I'm a beer snob, which I am, but it was more about the, <laughs> but you, you could tell just, just the way, I mean, knowing how this flavor manifests, knowing how this stuff comes out, when you know more about the flavor and the brewing process, you can see, uh, you can use your detective work to learn where brewers cut corners just to get the beer out to the market, as opposed to beer like like Budvar that we mentioned or Van Stefan, where you know there's patience, there's time, there's care, there's there's perfection. How how do you how do you deal with the modern world? Actually, the better question is how do you 
navigate through the the modern demand for innovation versus the respect and pay, uh, for patience and tradition? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, we don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you just ignore it completely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I uh, mean, uh, um, it's it's <laughs> it's it's the thing, I guess. Maybe maybe we are one of the rare breweries that are don't care about that, and maybe that makes us special, and in, in some way. Um, I I know and I'm aware of that that not everyone can can have the luxury to to do that. Yeah, um, that is a luxury. And and we have this special situation as being state owned, as being that old, and and you know, um, we have a luxury that we can um, uh, do things that maybe other breweries cannot do, and we are aware of that. And so we are not judging um, the the actions of others. So we we would never say okay this is the way like the mandalorians do uh, um it's it's just um <laughs> yeah excuse I, me I not yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this is the way it, this is the way um we would never do that that we say this is how we know that it's our way and it's right for us as conserving this brand as conserving this history and tradition and in that situation that we are with the shareholder, the state, and 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 our history and the responsible we have for that history, so we have the luxury that we can say we don't run after trends or whatever. So we wait, we look at it from time to time. Maybe we bring something new, or mostly we don't. So we are not a brewery. We have a core lineup that are one hundred percent only Bavarian styles. So you would never find a New England IPA. Even I love the style. I really loved it's my most favorite new world beer style. Um, but you will never see in our core lineup a beer like that, or that we are brewing something like that. It's not part of our culture. We brew Bavarian beers, and that is what we do. And maybe sometimes we're bringing a new kind of Hellas because the last decade, uh, a milder and more easygoing way of Bavarian style Hellas. Uh, became popular and became kind of part of the beer culture in Bavaria. And so we started making next to a traditional original lager, a uh, kind of new, mild, new style Helles. Yeah. Yeah. But this process did take years. Yeah. So, and if we're bringing like a new product once every five years, even then it's fast for us. But on the downside, being that kind of uh, in a slower or slower pace also can be annoying at some point um but but this is this is would not be right for us to 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 work in that you know new fast moving society whatever i mean maybe yeah. we are the we are the slow pace that the people are are maybe need in their lives because when everything is fast maybe just having the slow pace and take a wine Stefan Hefe and sit down and let let the world be be stopped for 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 a beer and then continue with that. Of course, we're adapting. We are we're doing very good, I guess, in my personal opinion, in our in, in our social media. So also bringing in a brand ambassador on the team was also very uncommon for Germany. I know it's pretty a lot of breweries in the US have brand ambassadors, especially in the craft scene. Uh, mm -hmm. It's basically you will not find a brewery brand ambassador in Germany. It's a basically uncommon thing. I was actually the first ever in a German brewery being an official brand ambassador just representing the brand um, 
Also, uh, bringing in as the world's oldest brewery, I know here a lot of breweries who don't even have an Instagram channel, and we have an old social media manager and team on that just to, to be, and this is what I tell you, being present. And today, it's being present means being standing on the bar at your customer in mm -hmm. whatever in the US or, or, or in Austria or I don't know where, but also being present online because a lot of people yeah. are uh, connected to their brands. Are. And, and this is where we said, okay, there we need to be too. So um, innovation does not mean, or, or being up to time does not mean that sometimes you're neglecting everything that's new. You just need to find what works for you and your brand and which is still, or still has the credibility. And is still, you don't lose yourself into something what you're not. So, uh, and, and I'm so glad you said that uh, because I, I personally, this is a completely different podcast. I, you know, I, I need to write an article about this, but I believe our fast paced society, our, our fast paced, uh, obsession, uh, with moving faster is going to be our, is to our detriment and maybe, uh, our downfall, um, but you know, I'm going to need a beer to keep going with that. Okay. But, but, but that said, you know, I, I agree with you, but I do want to politely and respectfully challenge what you just said, uh, just from the standpoint of, of you also have a school there. You also have uh, students that are going to, that are going through the uh, brewing program to become a, a brewer, a brewing engineer, and they may not get a job at Weinstefan brewing the new Hellas. They may end yeah. up at some other brewery um, brewing an, an American uh, yeah. New England IPA. So how do you and just the fact that you have a school there means that you're that you're teaching classic techniques and being aware of what's coming down the pike, I would presume. How do you mm -hmm. how do you unpack that? And that's very interesting because um, uh, that's true because a lot of the the teachings are also based on the Bavarian purity law. So uh, you're uh, like most of the, the the things you learn here are based on bring traditional Bavarian way and and not like adding other raw materials or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But there are still classes and courses on international brewing methods. There are still innovative product development classes where students are um, actually um, producing maybe new world beers or whatever. So you have a small science brewery here, actually four small uh, scaled brew houses at the campus from 800 liters to eight liters. So um, actually on all that, the, the brewers can learn the different things. What you mostly learn here in our brewery is... Um, more the, the big scale machinery part of it, how to understand how a big scale brew house works, how a, um, a packaging line, a filling line, a keg line works, you know, how to, so how to maintain uh, 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 quality management, how to maintain tanks, machinery and stuff like that, you know, something in a scale you cannot never teach at the university. Those specialties, mm -hmm. you say, they are taught at the university at some point, but that's not taught with us. And on the other side, the the education is like a 360 degrees brewmasters or brewing engineer education where you're going so deep into the biochemistry and the food chemistry of the product into the mechanical engineering um, so that in the end, you you know the, the basic 
um, not the the how to 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 manufacture it A to B. You learn the what it is in the inside, so that you can extrapolate everything out of that knowledge to brew a good Baron's Dale wheat beer, but also a New England IPA, because you know how I don't know oat proteins work compared to wheat proteins, how they're doing mm. in the turbidity and whatever, because you know the basic biochemistry and the basic food chemistry, and you know how um, those proteins work, and you know how those proteins work with the genetics of different yeast cultures. That's why it's a seven-semester bachelor and a four-semester master's degree, you know? So um, there's a lot to learn on that. And after this, you can go to brewing an inland IPA or you can go to one of the, the manufacturers and, and, and build and design brew houses. Yeah. So I have friends I started with, they're basically doing all that. I have a friend, and actually, that's pretty cool. So um, I maybe he sees that. Servus Reich. Um, he <laughs> is made after his study course uh, a PhD in, 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 in more or less a mix of brewing science and IT. And he has uh, done simulation of complete breweries. The energy demand of a complete breweries, he wrote a program how to simulate um, the energy demand of producing in different levels uh, beer. And now he is at a company, they are actually doing exactly that. They're designing the brewery on the computer, like a greenfield project, um, yeah. calculating. And with his kind of knowledge on, 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 on the software simulation, he is basically simulating the whole brewery. And then he is going to, with that project from greenfield to the final or the first batch at the brewery. And they are then building it after that. And, and I think that's so cool. Like, okay, I'm simulating that. I'm planning that. And then this thing is going to be built. You know, yeah, and yeah. Um, and and then I have a friend who studied here, brewing engineer. He was actually one of the best of his class, and he went back. He's also Austrian like me, and uh, he went back to Austria and and founded with friends together a, a small scale craft beer brewery. He's a badass brewing engineer, but he decided to go crafty and makes one thousand five hundred hectoliters with one of the best um, imperial IPAs I ever drunk in my life uh, because. Okay, it wasted me the first time I drank it. It was it was a nightmare that day because he <laughs> he hided the alcohol in that beer so good. I was I was not what's going into it. So all this is because he's an artist. <laughs> he is an artist, and I love by the way the fact that our brewery is owned by the Ministry of Science and Art. I love yeah. that fact because this is what what the Bavarian way of thinking about beer is reflecting one hundred percent. It brings the science. You need to know the chemistry, the mechanical engineering, the raw materials. You need the science of how all this complicated process of brewing beer ends out in good taste. But the artistic, the RD aspect is the creativity of the brewmaster and the brewers. So yeah. the creativity of the human aspect. Yeah, the, the, the brewmaster says, I want to have that imperial IPA. I want to have that wheat beer that tastes that, has that balance. Uh, because I guess people would like that kind of beer and then putting all the steps in your head or in your computer together to finally build on based on the science and the technology you learned to create that beer and bringing that creativity, that art that was in your hand to life uh, uh, yeah. inside the glass. And that's the beauty about this job. 
Yeah, and, and and I see I use uh, music as a parallel for beer all the time. And we could talk uh, writing, story structure, painting, what, whatever you want to talk about. We could we could make that comparison. I'm going to stick with music, but you know you have this wonderful creativity uh, with tr- creating these the, these melodies and in these uh, and chorus you stuff like that. But you still have that structure of the rhythm. You still have that structure of the chord progression, and it's ironically, and I I firmly believe this, it's having that structure that gives you the freedom. And for me, uh, mm-hmm. brewing is the same way because you have all the science, you have all this technology. Once you have that down, then it frees you up to just make a really great beer. That's different yeah. from what, yeah. what you would make. Uh, Absolutely. I find that just endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Um, a but, nice analogy, but, uh, by the way, that's, that's very nice. Uh, thank you. I, I hear there's another one you can, uh, you can copy just, yeah, you, I, I will, you, I, you, I will I use heard that. It from beer matters. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> the, uh, uh, so this still, this idea of culture, uh, it, you know, a beer as an icon, uh, or a relic of culture, um, uh, you know, f- help me understand from, from, from people who've never been to Germany, never been to Bavaria, uh, and, and also maybe never even been to Austria. Um, you know, what are some of these, these traditions, um, like Bratzit comes to mind, uh, that, uh, I'm aware of Bratzit. Um, what are some of these traditions that really, that really kind of speak to the culture around, uh, around a nation and around the beer? What are some of those, uh, those things? Um, actually, um, it, it's in so many levels, and it's so embedded in the also daily culture here um, that it's something you 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 know. As an Austrian, we are a wine and beer country, both next mm-hmm. to each other. Um, I was always a beer dude. That's why I'm I'm here where I am. But I learned so many things, and Bavaria was a next level thing when it comes to beer and and living living beer culture. So even in Austria, we have a lot of beer fest and activities that are connected to beer, whatever. But Bavaria is like, I don't know. I mean, this is uh, Austria's minor league and Bavaria is definitely, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm a hockey guy, so the NHL, you know? Okay, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this, is, this is absolutely major um, because all over the year, um, you will find small or bigger events that are connected somehow to beer or based on beer. Uh, like for an example, after this podcast, I'm gonna on my bicycle and I'm going to the city's uh, town square uh, to the Marienplatz, which is in front of the uh, city hall, because today we are celebrating uh, Bavarian or German National Beer Day. It's the 23rd of April in 1516. The Bavarian Purity Law was issued by the Dukes of Bavaria, and. Traditionally, the third day after the 23rd April, here in Freising, um, there is a a beer, small beer fest where the Freising breweries are going to put a beer. It costs the pint, costs three euros, and the money is for a good cause. So mm. people are gathering. People are gathering at the town square. There are like beer booths from the Freising breweries. And um, so, and the, the whole city is there, students is there, few not maybe thousand, two thousand people. Uh, it's an outdoor event, so if it would be raining, they would cancel it. But the weather's good today, and so we go there and drinking from four to 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 nine p.m. some beers in the public on the in in, in the Marienplatz, and it's for a good it's for a good cause. Um, I mean, uh, last year it was uh, for a children's hospital, and mm-hmm. I wake up 
pretty hangover the day after, but I had a so good feeling because I did it for the kids, you know. You I, did. Uh, yeah. It's for the children. <laughs> it's for the children, man. And and it, it starts with that. Uh, that your sacri have... your sacrifice is noted. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, then small, like 1st of May, there is this maypole tradition where big trees are, are, are built up here in every bigger and small town in Bav all over Bavaria. And this is connected to pouring local beer, drinking beer, whatever. Um, the, in, in fall, there is the Volksfest, which is actually here, in, which is kind of like Oktoberfest, but just a little bit smaller because every town has its beer tent somewhere between mm -hmm. summer and fall. Oktoberfest was the first big uh, Volks or People's Festival. And after that inspiration, now you will find those tents all over Bavaria. Ours is in the first week of, of September, Traditionally, they are pouring our fest beer there. Also, the fest beer way level uh, starting in August all over the United States, by the way. Um, just putting it in at some point. Uh, awesome. And, um, Looking forward to it. Um, and uh, then there, the fest beer is poured. You have amusements right on the outside. There's a big beer tent. You get the traditional food there. People go in there. It's like actually also Oktoberfest size. It's about six, 7,000 people that fit in there. There's a band playing, you have the live music, you have the beer, you have the, the big steins, you know, everything's there. It's just one tent and not 12 like in Munich. So it's kind of yeah. smaller. But our um, Volksfest has the tradition of, and that's the interesting thing, it's a kind of a state fair at the begin of the harvest season of the hops. You know, because it was an agricultural festival at the beginning, and we are so close to the world's biggest hop region. So the Freising Volksfest was like a, a festival to start the the the, the hop growing season, uh, the, the hop harvesting season. Yeah, and um, so also having like this uh, Frühschoppen, which means uh, drinking beer in the morning. So actually, if you have drunk a beer now with me, on my Bavarian cultural point of view, it would be total social accepted because uh, having a breakfast pint kind of, yeah, we have an own word for drinking beer in the morning. And this is kind of uh, a cultural thing here uh, is is going on Saturday or on Sunday uh, uh, to your local brew house and having a fruit shop, a, a breakfast pint with some white sausages or or a local uh, traditional food. Total, totally normal. Yeah. And by the way, this was one of my most um, exciting situations I ever had when it comes to beer and beer culture. My first trip to the United States was in 2012, private. Um, I worked at the university at that time and uh, then... I took a two and a half weeks East Coast trip and I went to Elmtown. Um, there is a big Sam Adams brewery there in Elmtown. And at that point, uh, the, the yeast manager of Sam Adams was a friend and former teacher of mine, uh, Urs Wellhöhner. He has a PhD in brewing science. He PhD he made in yeast management. And he was a teacher here, one of my teachers here at the university. And after he graduated as with his PhD, he was kind of headhunted by Sam Adams. And he moved with his wife to the U.S. And he's still 2010, I guess, living there. And um, I visited him. And uh, we went then, I visited the brewery and we went then at the evening to a pub. They had a lot of Sam Adams and other craft beers and we did some tastings and friends of him, working colleagues, also brewers, joined us for the for the evening. It was very, very nice. 
And I want to tell them a story Wiz and me have um, uh, experienced once because we were together at the Frühschoppen as this event where you're, you know, drinking your morning mm -hmm. beer, whatever, this classic Frühschoppen. And I was like, okay, and I was telling the story and I was like, and Wiz and me, and we were going to this, uh, uh, hey, Wiz, what does Frühschoppen in English mean? And he was like, oh, I guess um, there is no English word for Frühschoppen. And then we tried to explain it, that it's like a common thing to go on a Saturday or Sunday for a breakfast beer to your local brew house and, yeah, have a sausage to it. That's Frühschoppen. And at that moment, I, I recognized the first time how special that is, <laughs> uh, uh, the beer culture here, because we're creating own <laughs> words for the occasion of drinking beer in the morning. And when you yeah. go to someone else and say, hey, uh, let's go to Frühschoppen, this person Im immediately knows what is going to happening. We're going to meet in the morning and have a beer together at the brew house. <laughs> Well, in, in here in America, it's funny. I, I, I say that we, we steal other countries' holidays and make them our own drinking holidays, like St. Patrick's Day and Cinco de Mayo. Uh, yeah, it's, know, those it's don't cool. belong to us, but they turn yeah, into uh, you know, excuses to drink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone's happy. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, and I guess the most true and, and most important quote on beer, um, um, actually – is 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 from the united states um it's um ah 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 now now i'm uh beer um is the proof that god loves us and wants us to be happy yeah yeah um it was um uh who said it so the that, that I'm liking the name. often attributed to Benjamin Franklin, but there's... Benjamin Franklin, like yeah. yes, yeah, yes. Uh, um, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's the most most true quote about beer. So that that leads me. So before we start winding down, and um, because I I know you've got a big party to go to, uh, uh, you know, kind of one last question before we wind down, and it's related to this. Um, you know, if that quote is true and i and i believe it it's proof that god loves us wants us to be happy you know along those lines when we're talking about the beer experience the bavarian beer experience and you and you've done a fantastic job kind of a, a, a fleshing out how wonderful it is there but as you are the brand ambassador and you go out and you and you this is to my knowledge you, uh, or my belief your your job is to share Vine stefan with the world but also uh, by attribution, you you are. It's your job to to define and deliver a a Bavarian drinking experience. Is that fair? Or, or yes and or, no. Yes and no. But people well, ask how, me how, how, how it is. Yeah, people ask me how it is in Bavaria and what would be the Bavarian way or whatever. But for me and also for us as a brewery, it's more important to see how different cultures, different countries, different people approach our beers and how they implement it in their behavior and in their culture. And, and, and um, that, that right there is the purpose of this season of the Good Beer Matters podcast to see how people experience that beer experience differently. So what, what is yes. your take on it? Oh, my take on it is that um, when the people like the product and they adapt it for themselves, it somehow I don't want to be the 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 nerd who is like, no, you need to do it the Bavarian way, you need to do it that way, whatever, I whatever. White sausage. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, even because I'm not Bavarian, so I can be talking easy on that, you know, because I'm like, hey, makes it you happy? Do you like it? Does it taste good for you? Then, I mean, this is actually what other friend of mine who is a, uh, working for a hop growing company or hop selling company once said in an interview as a student why he's studying brewing science. And he said, because I want to help people to get happy with, with brewing beer. And actually, I guess that's our job. Our job is not brewing beer. Our job is making people happy, having a good time with their friends and their loved ones and enjoying great experiences with a great drink. And, and, and of course, all with the, with, the, with the common responsibility of not drinking too much and know when, when it's good and when it's enough. It should be an enjoyment and should, should not be getting wasted. I mean, this this is the bottom line of everything. It's enjoyment and not anything else. Um, but having that good time, you cannot say how to have a good time with a Bavarian beer because it's not... In Bavaria, maybe it's the Bavarian way and in America, it's the American way. And one of the most interesting also things I saw, especially in Israel, we're the number one wheat beer brand and the number one German beer brand in Israel. They are the number three export country we have. And um, our beer is there so successful, but the, the people in Israel did not see the aspect as the world's oldest brewery in our brand. They see the aspect that we are making just great wheat beers. And, and there we are not a, a beer house brand. There we are a beach brand. You can go to the hottest and hip, most hipster places in Tel Aviv at the Banana Beach Club, especially one of the really coolest beach clubs in Tel Aviv, directly on the beach. Amazing. And you're getting the wine step from Wheat Beer on tap. And it's the number one beer there in the location. And the young people are drinking it there and celebrating with it and going into a club with it. It's a complete different approach of the brand and the but the beer here in Bavaria, we would drink it in our traditional clothes in a beer garden or in a beer tent. And in Tel Aviv, it's it's completely others. It's more a lifestyle drink than it's like a traditional beer, you know. And in the US, it's different. In Korea, it's different. In Australia, it's different. And this is all good. The thing is, we love actually the situation that the people are liking the product so much that they say, we want to bring that to us. And if at some point people in the United States are celebrating St. Patrick's Day and maybe they're drinking Guinness, but maybe they're also drinking wheat beer because they love Bavarian-style wheat beers and you can also drink it on St. Patrick's Day. I hope I'm not getting too too, too close to Irish people now. <laughs> but uh, I would also drink on German National Beer Day a, a, a pint of stout. So uh, uh, no bad feelings here. The thing is, do what you like and pair it with something you like too. And it must not be something that now fits to it, you know? And I saw one cultural thing, for an example, is you mentioned it at the beginning that I poured my beer with a nice foamy hat and, you know, mm. the foam crown, you know? And um, the guy who is the hop selling guy once also said uh, that the foam on the top of the hat is so important for him because he said that's beer sexiness. You know? Yes. That, 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 that's the sexiness of beer. It's it's a Bavarian German beer culture thing. You know, if you get in a German restaurant, a bar, or beer garden, the beer served with flat hat, you can send it back and request a new one because it's mentioned uh, or it, it seems to be a 
good quality beer when there's a head on it and if there's no nice foam crown we call it foam crown on it then you can send it back and get a new one yeah so in different countries you know they pour beer differently like flat or like on the top of it or whatever mm -hmm. has nothing to do with the barren way of pouring a beer but i would never say oh you're doing it wrong it must be that way when i'm in a sports bar i mean pour it like you would pour it there When I'm in a Chinese or Asian restaurant, then I don't want to serve it like, you know, with the nice foam crown and like I would get served it in a Bavarian beer garden. You know, I like the idea that in, an, in a Vietnamese restaurant like uh, uh, I, I had uh, in the US, great account of us, Vietnamese restaurant is selling a great amount of wheat beer because they say the fruitiness and the, the creaminess of the product fits very well to their kind of spicy but also yep. creamy food. And actually, wheat beer and Asian food, freaking amazing. And, <laughs> and, and I, I would never thought about this before. But in the US, I learned a whole new perspective of, of, of Bavarian beer, beer culture meeting a different food culture. But I get this is something that only, not only, but this works a lot in the US that different cultures, like, Are migrating yeah. to each other and, and and bringing out the completely new mix of 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 whatever and, and that's I what would, i love about the the flavor of beer and food just really offers that bridge between cultures uh it, that in a very philosophical sense could open up conversation where conversation is needed just yes. through a beer and food. yes and it, i find and, that wonderful and, absolutely absolutely and and you have the the you can enjoy great food and great beer and I can see that, that people say, I want the Asian beer to my Asian food. Maybe I'm going to sushi and I want the Kirin beer. Yeah, I, totally fine. But maybe bringing a new experience to it, bringing a Bavarian wheat beer on an American IPA. Yeah, so all this can 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 work great together. Um, there's only one thing where I would say when I'm in the international travel, when it comes to how to serve the beer, when it's a German restaurant or a German place or a Bavarian place. You know, when you want to represent as a German restaurant or as a German place, German beer culture, Bavarian beer culture, mm -hmm. and you're serving a beer flat, then I would go and say, I want to apologize, but maybe we can talk about that because when it <laughs> should be representing German or Bavarian culture, then it's important because it's really an important part of Bavarian beer culture. So you want to yeah. if you want to represent that, then maybe I would have a subtle talk on maybe how to improve the way of pouring the beer but yeah. in any and, other and, place and I, i'm not so like i like i'm just happy that we are there and you, you enjoy it absolutely and and i and i i love that where we let's pay honor and respect to the tradition to the culture but let's not get hung up on it um oh, no. it, it, it's just fantastic Uh, but do the sake of time. We are going a little bit long. I hope you'll forgive me for that. But um, no these are these are my fun wind down questions. Uh, and these can be real quick if you prefer or or you can just lay it all oh. on us. But yes. um, but uh, but tomorrow uh, I'm going to make you the king of the entire uh, world of beer for one day. What's <laughs> what's the first thing you would change? The king of the world king of beer for one day. Yeah. Free beer for one day. <laughs> Free beer. Free beer Free for beer. all. I love yeah, it. For one day. I mean, you know, I'm a brewer, so uh, basically that's, that's you know, 
Um, there are so many great beers out there, uh, good beers, great breweries, uh, people who are putting all their effort and everything into it. And as a brewer, you're getting a lot. So if there are beer enthusiasts or brewers uh, watching that, um, the most question I get asked is, what's the best beer? You know, And you don't have a question on that because it depends on the situation, the mood, where you are, what you're doing, whatever. It, it, there's no question except one answer. What's the best beer? Beer for free. Free beer. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my answer to that question I get when people say, hey, you know, wh what's the best beer? I respond with, yes. <laughs> yeah, or the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, oh, are you buying? <laughs> yeah. What, what? Um, so, so at the end of your Royal Beer Day, uh, mm -hmm. we, the Earth, are going to send you anywhere in the world to have anything you want to eat and any beer to drink what where would you go and what would you have <laughs> oh, that's that's a tough question but on the other side you know um do my job i was allowed to travel from i've drunk our wheat beer and beers from brisbane to seattle so i've been to very a lot of places and have eaten and drunk a lot of great beers and great food and so actually the wish on that is not that super exotic Due to the situation and the fact that I'm traveling so much, I would say, send me home to my parents and sit down with them and have a beer together. Fantastic. I would do that. I would do that. Yeah. With mom Great. and dad having having a beer at their home. So, yeah. so what beer and what would you eat? What beer What would I eat? I would eat um, this uh, classic Austrian Brotzeitbrett, which is a charcuterie board. With some mm. cheese and bread and pickles and and sausages and salami, uh, uh, pepperonis and stuff like that, you know, and and some bacon from from Austria and a freshly baked bread from from our neighbor, which has his own farm and making his own bread. And I would go for a Helles Lager. Um, when it comes to my personal taste, I'm actually pretty boring. I love to try new things, barley wines, uh, New England IPAs, all that, but. When it's just for unwinding and sitting down, Helles. You know what? I, I hope and pray that there's a good Munich Helles on my on my last day on Earth. So I'm I'm totally with you on that. Um, yeah. So kind of a, a next big question is: what, I mean, you you you've worked a lot in the beer industry, but why does good beer matter so much to you? Because what we already say, I, I, I think beer makes people happy. Uh, God loves us and, and wants us to be happy because good beer matters in that way because it's it's helping you at some point to enjoy life a little bit more maybe or just the presence of, of, of beloved people or of a good situation. Um, I, um, I, I think that beer is... Your buddy, who is always there with you, but never to to um, to to bother you. You know, when you're in the stadium, in the stands, and your team getting the championship, I'm pretty sure I will have a beer in my hand. Um, when I'm meeting my parents again, I don't see that often, unfortunately. Then I will have maybe a beer in my hand. When I'm, I don't know, sitting at the terrace with my girlfriend and we're having a great, enjoying a low Saturday evening. 
I'm pretty sure I'm having a beer in my hand. When I'm going to meet you, maybe one day for a tour here in the Weinstefan Brewery, what you're accordingly invited to, and I would love to give you the tour personally. And um, we you. will sit down in our museum and we will have a beer in my hand. I guess um, good beer matters because beer is there for you and, and beer will never be in the middle of it. Beer will never be the focus of my life when it comes i will just talk about beer i will talk about you how, how you came to beer and whatever but the beer will be our buddy that stands next to us will help us to to taste something great have enjoyment but connecting to the people and i guess that's the most important thing because beer is the way this yeah, <laughs> yes um I, yes Let, let's say it that way beer is the way and yeah, beer is um, the way beer is the way and yeah. So I always anyone, felt it that way. So for anyone listening uh in uh who want to learn more about Vine Stefan or you know anything, where where can they go uh online? Uh winestefana.de de for Deutschland, uh, or also winestefana.com, then you're coming to to the Weinstefana homepage, which is uh, related to the United States market. By the way, there we have also a product finder on winestefana.com, um, where you can put in your zip code and find out where close to you you can get on or off trade Weinstefan beers. Yeah. And follow us on Instagram, Weinstefan underline official. And uh, also on Facebook, you will find us. You will also find specified country um, sites too. There's also Wine Stuff in USA or Wine Stuff in US or Wine Stuff in Israel. Depends on where you are listening to. And um, yeah, um, just um, maybe also in the end, maybe making some some advertising on my own. Uh, maybe you will listen also to my podcast I have with Anton, my online marketing manager friend here in the brewery. It's 1,000 years of beer. So uh, I guess it's uh, not that super creative title, but yeah, it's a beer from uh, the world's oldest brewery and from us. And we're talking about beer, beer sensory, beer technology, beer culture, a lot of beer culture. We're talking sometimes people say to me i talk too much about beer and food but uh, guilty. there's no such thing there's no such <laughs> yeah. thing yeah i see a say right right there's no such I mean, thing yeah there's no such thing there's but no such yeah thing. so we, we're talking about everything which is related to beer our la latest episode is just about this maypole tradition so it's basically mm -hmm. nothing about beer it's just about this traditional thing here in bavaria make making those maypole festivals and why it's on thousand years of beer podcast because there is beer at every maypole party and and so that's why this is something maybe the people because that, that's your house and you've decided <laughs> yes yes and and we try to to also we do it in english and german and uh, please also forgive me and now after you maybe listen to us for more than an hour please also forgive sometimes my english i know uh, i made a lot of mistakes and i don't think about uh, it before i talk i just talk so um yeah uh but well, it's way better than my German. So we're, we're good. <laughs> um, so uh, any, any last words, any, any final words or advice or word, uh, uh, calls to action that you want to share with anyone listening? Yes. When you finish this, watching it, hearing it, um, follow Weinstefan, follow Good Beer Matters, I guess, but your listeners already did it. If not, do it. Do it. Do it now. <laughs> and <laughs> so a little Arnold Schwarzenegger reference uh, yes. I'm allowed I, to as Austrian 
And um, and now when you're done, uh, go and get a beer. Yeah, which I I know we are now keeping you from going to ride your bike down to go get a beer. So with that, thank you no for problem. coming on. Thank you for the fun conversation. Thank you for sharing just the the culture coming from your respective part of the world. I mean, not only you're kind of representing Austria, but you're also representing uh, Bavaria and your and uh, all those traditions. And I'm I'm thank you for sharing all that. I. I it was utterly and un, unendingly fascinating for me, so I appreciate it. No, I, I think I say thank you, and I appreciate being being here today, and for your time, and that you're uh, sharing this, and also bring Wine Stefan on 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 your show and on your podcast, and uh, also thank you for your work uh, because I guess um, talking about beer and also educating about beer is, uh, um, yeah, uh, something that helps us as an industry that helps us as beer fans and brewers and um, uh, people like you who are uh, doing this transparent and, and open talk about beer and beer culture is something that, that um, helps us a lot because uh, the more people get educated about beer, the, um, I guess more it's, it's good for the industry. Thank you. Excellent. Well, it's honors mine. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Goodbye. I think it's fair to say that any brewery with a school and a thousand year history is one we can take leadership from. Evine Stefan values being present, being patient, and focuses on quality and culture. Then maybe we should give those a second thought as well, don't you think? In the next episode, we head to the halls of higher education and discuss how to create better beer experiences around the world. I'm on a virtual tour of the craft and culture of beer around the globe. I've put Good Beer Matters on video so I can take you along for the ride. If you know of a person, a place, or a beer story that needs to be told, let me know. Meanwhile, grab a beer, hang out with friends, and let your world open up. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.